Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the great privilege it is to be able to gather in your name this morning. But Lord, we ask for your blessing upon this service. We know that without your Holy Spirit's power, we can do nothing in your name. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless me as I preach, help me to be clear, and we pray that your Holy Spirit may be moving in hearts this morning and helping us to understand more fully what your word says about us and how we are to live. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning I want to preach on a passage that is contained before you in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, which I encourage you to have open before you, is found on page 993 of the Black Church Bibles. And Mark chapter 4, from verse 1 through to verse 20, is a passage that is about a sower going out to sow some seed. It's a farming illustration. Now, I'm not much of a farmer, uh, but I think most of us in this room, even if we aren't that interested in gardening or raising crops, can have some understanding of what Jesus is saying here, that Jesus is giving this illustration about different types of soil and a farmer sowing seed amongst these different types of soil. So what is this illustration about? What is Jesus trying to communicate through this message? Well, he actually explains to us that there is, uh, he explains this to his disciples in verses 13 and following. We see in verse 13 that he says to his disciples, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. So when this farmer goes out and sows, what is he sowing? Well, his seed is the word. What's the word? Well, the word of God. Or in one sense, it is the gospel message about Jesus. That if you repent of your sins, if you trust in Jesus Christ, you can have forgiveness of sins and gain eternal life. And then Jesus goes on to say that there's four different ways that people often respond to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. What are the four different ways that people respond? Well, the first is that they are like people, like seed sown along the path, it says in verse 15, where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So when someone like myself comes along as a sower, someone who's sharing the gospel, Some people, when they hear the gospel message, when they hear about Jesus Christ, Satan immediately snatches away the sin, uh, the word, and they no longer can comprehend what is going on. It's like it goes in one ear and out the other, like water off a duck's back, so to speak. And that is a response that some people have to the gospel message. The second response that people have, well, Jesus says in verse... uh, verse 16 and 17 what this second response is it says in verse 16 others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy but since they have no root they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word they quickly fall away these people they hear about jesus they go yes i like the sound of that i like the sound of forgiveness of sins yes i want to trust in jesus And they may call themselves a Christian for a period of time, but eventually it gets hard being a Christian. And persecution comes. What is persecution? Well, it can be someone sneering at you at work. You're a Christian? Really? All that takes, all it takes is someone to do that at work and you start to shrivel back a bit and not want to affirm Christ. Or family members get upset at you 
for being a Christian and say, how dare you follow a false god like Jesus Christ? Friends may start to not want to be around you anymore because you are a Christian. And it may even be that you start in certain lands that the government is actually hostile towards you for being a Christian. And so you shrink back. They may start small in fining you that there are harsh penalties inflicted in some way. But then it can lead to imprisonment and potentially even death for following Jesus Christ. And as soon as that happens, what do you do? You shrink back. These people shrink back because they have no root. The sun comes out and it withers, the sun of persecution, and they shrink back. Then there's a third response that Jesus also articulates with this illustration. What's that third response? Well, it's given to us in verse 18 and 19. He says, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Who are these people? Well, they hear about Jesus Christ. They say, yes, I like the sound of forgiveness of sins. Once again, they're very much like the second group. But what leads to them falling away? It's not so much persecution. It can be the good things of this world. The desires for things in this world overwhelm them so that they're no longer interested in following Jesus Christ. Other things take up their time. Now, it can be worries of this world. It can be bad things that come along and they're so worried about those things that they just don't have time for Jesus anymore. Or there's wonderful things in this world. And here in Australia, we experience much blessing and we can see those wonderful things and we can desire them. And they take time from our schedules so that we no longer have time for Jesus. And then there's a fourth response. What's the fourth response? Well, it's given to us in verse 20. It says, Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Thirty, sixty, or even a hundred times what was sown. These are true Christians. They hear about Jesus Christ. They accept the message. They trust in Jesus. And then it doesn't matter if persecution comes, if the sun comes up and scorches them, they stay firm because they've got a root. And it doesn't matter if other things in this world start to worry them or pleasures come along. No, they still have time for Jesus. They're still interested in the word. So these are the four responses that often happen as a sower comes along and sows the message about Jesus Christ. Now, why am I speaking about such a passage today? Well, we are quite well aware here this morning that two people are going to testify that they have received the word, that they have received the seed that has been sown. They have accepted the message of Jesus Christ. But I want to give one final warning to James and Jaden before they are baptised. I want to warn them that they must watch out that they are not rocky soil or thorny ground that their profession of faith is one that is a fake profession. And ultimately, when persecution comes along one day, they will shrink back and fall away. Or when things of this world start to entice them, they will become more interested in those things than in Jesus Christ and will fall away. One of my greatest fears whenever I baptise anybody in this church is that they're actually unsaved. 
that they have never really accepted the message and that in time they will fall away, whether it be because of persecution or the good things of this world. Now, why am I fearful of such a reality? Well, it's not because I want to be proven wrong in my assessment, uh, ultimately, of them, that I don't want to be shown to be a pastor who just baptises anyone willy-nilly. But my great fear is that one day you'll be punished in eternity of hell along with those who have never professed an acceptance of the word of God and that you will never enjoy the glories that come with believing in Jesus Christ, that you won't be in heaven with the people that are here around this morning that you are professing faith in Christ too, that you won't enjoy eternal pleasures with God. That is my great fear for you. And so I want to encourage you this morning to make sure, Jaden and James, that you are good soil, that you are soil that produces fruit. What is the fruit that you should be producing in your life? Well, it should be ongoing repentance and ongoing faith in Jesus Christ, ongoing repentance, ongoing turning away from sin, turning to the ways of the Lord and continue trusting in Jesus Christ, that you don't start to trust in your own goodness as a way of salvation, but you continue to trust in Jesus' work at the cross as a payment for your sin. And then, of course, there should be fruit in the way that you live as you turn from sin, turn to God, and this is often seen through the way that you're faithful in prayer, the way that you're faithful in reading the scriptures, reading God's word, the way that you're faithful in meeting with other Christians as God calls you to be, the way that you're faithful in witnessing to others, to telling others about Jesus Christ and encouraging others to repent and believe as well. It's all fruit that we can see in your life and that you should want to see in your life. And of course, there's the fruit of the Spirit. The way that you live by the Spirit is a way of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of self-control. That is fruit that you should be seeing from the seed that is sown in your heart. And if you're not seeing it, you should question, am I really saved or am I simply someone who is thorny ground or rocky soil? So it's a joy to baptise both of you today. I can't express that enough, particularly for Jaden, who we've known for so long. Some of you have known him for many, many more years than I have, but I've known him for quite a few as well, and I've uttered many prayers for Jaden. And it is a joy to baptise him today. But I ask both Jaden and James, don't break my heart in a few years' time and fall away. And most of all, don't break God's heart and fall away. Keep following Jesus Christ. Don't grieve God in the future. But everybody else here, I also want to speak to you this morning. I don't want to just drill down on Jaden and James. I want you to ask, what type of soil am I? What type of soil am I? Some of you may be hard ground. You're like the seed that fell on the path. And right now, Satan has you scoffing at me. And you're just too polite to verbalise it. In some congregations, as people sow the seed, there are people who aren't that polite and they will verbalise the scoffing. But you may be hard ground right here and now. And so when you hear about Jesus, you say, ha, as if I need him. And when you hear about sin, you say, ha, that's not me. I'm not a sinner. I don't need a saviour. 
Some of you may think that's incredible to consider that anyone would think that they're not a sinner. But I've had at least two people in my life say point blank to me that, Joel, I am not a sinner. I had a friend at university who said that to me. Joel, I've never sinned. And I had an 83-year-old woman also tell me once, I've never sinned. Doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, doesn't matter if you're in your 80s. There are some people right here, right now, possibly, who are saying, sinner, not me. And what's that mean? It's Satan snatching the word away from them and they're not even considering it any longer. And if that is you, you're in this room now and you are the rock, you are that path, that solid ground that the seed just doesn't penetrate, then I encourage you, wake up. I don't know what, what more I can really do other than tell you, wake up and resist Satan. The scriptures tell us if you resist Satan, he will flee from you. Resist Satan, snatching the word away. Come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith and experience the eternal life that only Jesus can give. Wake up. Stop thinking about other things, which may be what you're doing right now. Satan's got your mind clouded with other things. You're thinking about some shopping that you have to do. You're thinking about work tomorrow. You're thinking about what you're going to watch on television tonight. You may even be thinking about how many people are here, count them up, and how many more minutes are left in the service. Can I check my watch without anybody really noticing? That's Satan clouding your mind right now. Don't let it be. Wake up and come to Jesus Christ. Some of you may be rocky ground. You're affirming that Jesus Christ is your saviour. But are you prepared for suffering? Are you prepared for pain that may come in your life? And it happens all too often. The Bible even promises that you will suffer for being a Christian at some point. And I've seen it happen. I've seen people that have affirmed Jesus Christ wholeheartedly. And then as soon as some pain comes into their life or after, and they may endure some pain for a while. But after a while, they shrink back. I know someone who affirmed Jesus Christ and then his family all turned on him. His wife would even physically hit him. His children would throw things at him for being a Christian. And where is he today? I don't know. Last I heard, he wasn't going to church at all anymore. It happens. You affirm Jesus Christ today, yes, but are you prepared for pain in the future, for suffering? For as soon as it comes along, will you shrink back? Will you fall away? If that is you, if you're thinking that that could be you in the future, I want to put something in your mind to remember. What is that? The suffering that you endure in this world is nothing compared to the suffering that you will endure in the next. In the torments of hell. Hell is a reality. The scripture is clear about it. And Whatever you experience in this life is nothing compared to the pain of hell. Be prepared for suffering and always keep in mind that it's far better to suffer for Jesus in this world than to suffer for your sins in the next. So I encourage you, consider carefully, am I rocky ground and am I ready for suffering that will come? But some of you in this room may be thorny ground. You receive the message, 
but will fall away due to other interests. You'll be more interested in other things in the future. And sometimes I think that thorny ground is one of the most common grounds here in Australia. We're in a post-Christian age in some sense, where a lot of people who used to go to church in the past and used to say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, have disappeared from within churches. And I think a lot of people in our country know a lot about Jesus Christ, but they just have it too good to care, to follow him. Just this week in the Sydney Morning Herald, it was reported that as the clock ticks over to April 1st, Australia will likely have bested the Netherlands to lay claim to the title of the longest economic expansion on record, entering our 104th quarter of economic growth without recession. Australia is a blessed nation, is what that's saying there. In comparison to the rest of the world, we have had the longest running of economic growth. That means wealth in Australia is at a huge peak. Hooray for us. But what does that mean? I think it means that we are so incredibly blessed in Australia that we are at risk of being choked to death by our own prosperity. That there are so many good things in Australia that there's no time for God. It's an interesting book written by a man called Neil Postman and the title is just tremendous in itself. It's called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And it's about the Western world and how we just have so many pleasures and we just amuse ourselves constantly to death. Basically, you can go through this entire life in a country like Australia and just have entertainment continuously there, up until death, particularly since the invention of the television set. People can watch TV all their lives. And even when you are there in your deathbed at the hospital, what's hanging right above your, set, uh, above your bed? A television set. And this is what many people are like. How many Australian children grow up affirming that Jesus is their saviour? They're quite happy to say Jesus is their Lord, but then disappear into the wilderness because they're thorny ground. Yes, you're happy with God until you find the TV set, until you find overseas travel. So many countries around the world. I don't have time for church, for a regular attendance at one local church. I can travel the world. So they find sport, which takes up a lot of time on Sundays often. They find a good-looking girlfriend or boyfriend who's not interested in Jesus Christ, and that person becomes the God of their life. They find the refrigerator. There's so many yummy things to eat in this world. My time is consumed with thinking about food. We have three meals a day, and if you expand it out a bit, you can turn it into five. And so you're thinking from one meal to the next, what am I eating next? I know someone who dreams about food, wakes up, been thinking about food all night and then yummy for um, thinking about breakfast. What am I going to be having for breakfast? Their life is consumed with food. Their desires for the things of this world have consumed them to the point that they're not interested in Jesus. People can be consumed with video games, the internet. There's always something more interesting to find on the internet than Jesus. Consumed with books, reading about other things. And so I can tell you that there are a lot of people, an awful lot of people, who once called themselves Christians and are not even in church this morning because they've found better things to do here in Australia. They're off doing other things, and yet they once affirmed Jesus Christ. Even ministers do this. How many ministers have walked away from Christianity because they found something better? And usually, it's a, often it is an adulterous relationship. They walk away from Christ because the things of this world are more attractive to them. 
And so we in this room, we all need to examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, from the Apostle Paul says, If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And that's what this passage is all about. It's telling you, watch out, you could be people who fall away. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Particularly, I think, in Australia, particularly with a group of people like ourselves, we need to consider, are you thorny ground? Because people who are thorny ground, they think about Jesus, they love Jesus for a point, and then it's like they find a credit card that has no limit on it and no due date for the bank balance. And they think they can spend the rest of their life They can indulge themselves completely and there will never be a day where they're called to account for their life. But oh, there is a payday for such people. The bank one day is going to be called and you will be asked to pay. And the awful truth is that you won't be able to pay the balance off in 100 years, in 200 years, in 1,000 years, The balance is so high for rejecting Jesus Christ, for living for yourself and your own sinful pleasures, that you pay it off for eternity. Don't let it be. Come to Christ once and for all today. And Jesus will pay the bank balance, the credit card debt that you owe for indulging in sinful pleasures. Pretty much all of us in this room have been there at some point where we've recognised I have been living for my own self and I need someone to pay that balance. And marvellously, Jesus Christ has. By his death at the cross, he pays that penalty that we deserve. And so I encourage you this morning, if there's any chance that you are thorny ground, then don't delay. Come to Jesus Christ. Because today may be the day when you die and you meet God as either judge or saviour. You may not have another opportunity to trust in Jesus Christ completely and utterly. Death does happen and can happen unexpectedly. Just this last week, Jill used to work at a hospital and as an occupational therapist and one of the OTs that used to work in that region was killed in a car accident as she was taking her seven-year-old children, twins, on the way to work. And one of, the, one of the twins died, and she died herself as well, the mother. And Jill saw on Facebook all these other occupational therapists saying it puts things into perspective. And they're there hugging their own child at home because it could have been them on the way to school. And they could have died this week instead. Don't delay. If there is any chance you are not trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation, don't delay. Come to him today. I always think it's incredible how many people spend so much time planning for retirement. They have all these ideas of what they're going to do and they watch their superannuation account so carefully. They put away things. They purchase property so that they'll be well cared for in their retirement which only lasts a couple of decades at most. And yet they spend no time considering retirement in eternity and whether they'll be in hell or whether they'll be in heaven. Are you someone that's planning for your retirement here on earth? 
but has given no thought for your retirement in the next life? There is no more important question that you can ask than the question that Jesus is wanting you to ask this morning. Am I good soil? And if you find yourself lacking, I encourage you, fling yourself upon God and beg for mercy. You may never get another opportunity. And truth be told, there's no better way to live, even in this world. Yes, there's eternal pleasures that come at God's right hand, but there's pleasure that comes in being a Christian here in this world. Generally speaking, you can have a happier existence in many ways if you follow God's laws. If you follow God's law, many things, harmful things, will be kept from you. Just imagine if every person on this planet started following God's law, what things would change immediately? Crime rates? Locksmiths would be out of business? So many things. And can you consider that if everybody became a Christian, in just one or two generations, most sexually transmitted diseases would be eradicated? If people just slept with their spouse and no one else, many sexually transmitted diseases would be completely removed from this planet. Now show me a politician that thinks, I'm going to run on a platform, a political campaign of, I'm going to get rid of sexually transmitted diseases in my country by making sure that everybody just has sex with inside marriage. No brave politician would do it. Even the bravest of politicians wouldn't. But that's the reality of Christianity. If you follow God's law, many things are kept from you. Many pains are kept from you. I know one young man who's so mixed up, so many problems in his life, and I can trace many of them to sinful decisions. And so I encourage you, put your faith in Jesus Christ. There is no better way to live. Living without Christ is an awful existence, now and forevermore. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you get real peace with God and a joy that follows that and an ability to endure any pain, any suffering that comes because you have a root in Christ. And all desires that you may have for the world start to dim in comparison to the glories of Christ, to knowing God, to having peace and joy in him. So come to Christ and come in a way that produces fruit. Gain a joy that surpasses suffering. Gain a joy that surpasses the things of this world. I encourage you to do that this morning. Evaluate yourself. What soil are you? And if you find yourself wanting, come to Christ. Now let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and its brilliance. We can see here that it understands humanity so well. Just here we can see four types of the responses that people have to your word. And we've seen them in the lives of those around us. This Part of your word is indeed trustworthy and true. We can see that. And so, Lord, we pray that we would evaluate carefully where we stand with yourself, whether we are hard ground, we are the path, and Satan is just snatching the word out as soon as we hear it. Or are we rocky ground that will wither when persecution comes? Or are we thorny ground that the things of this world are so enticing that we're going to be caught up in them one day? 
Oh, Lord, we pray that if we are one of those three, we may repent and come to you and forsake all others. Lord, we pray that the people of this room may indeed be people who are good soil, and we pray that we may see fruit in their lives as we go on with them year by year. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.